The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I'm your host, Belinda Coyle. I'm a registered nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Joanne Jackson. Joanne is a clinical care coordinator for the Spinal Cord Rehab Unit at James Haley VA Medical Center in Tampa, Florida. She has her bachelor's and master's of science in nursing from Jacksonville University and has 14 years of experience as a registered nurse in spinal cord injury and acute rehabilitation. She has a passion for adapted sports and is a strong supporter of her local PVA chapter where she spends time volunteering for various events. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are Ms. Jackson's and not those of the VA Medical Center or federal government. Our topic today is spinal cord injury care in the inpatient rehab setting. Joanne, welcome back. Hello, thank you. Our last session, uh, you told us a little bit about how passionate you were about rehabilitation nursing and shared some pearls of wisdom with us. Today, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about the actual inpatient rehab unit. I work on a 14-bed unit, and pretty much our setup is once we actually accept a patient and receive them. I know a lot of facilities are kind of rushed. We tried it. We say 12 weeks. So we say, okay, you'll be here for 12 weeks, but actually lots of times that 12 weeks can be 24 weeks. It can really be what we want it to be because we are serving veterans. So what happens in that process is we bring people in and we start working with them to see what we can get back. You know, if they're going to be able to dress themselves, use their hands, what kind of strength they're going to have. So we kind of strengthen people first. And then we see what we think they're going to get in close to their goals. Okay, as a team, we say, what do we think they'll be able to do? Do we think they'll be able to dress themselves? Do we think they'll be able to do bowel care? And so we do strengthen them and work with them a little bit before we modify a home, before we actually start doing bowel care training, teaching them how to calf, teaching them how to transfer. So If we see that they continue to make progress, then we continue to work with them. We say 12 weeks, but it actually can be whatever it needs to be. They're there for that long. What happens um, prior to, can you, can you uh, talk a little bit about, you know, the journey to the rehab? What patient types are you typically receiving? Um, You know, what, what happens to them to get them to your facility? In other words, our facility will take anywhere, anyone from anywhere across the country they can really choose pretty much between them uh, and their families or them in the military. They can decide what facility they want to go to and who doesn't want to come to Florida, right? Sunny, <laughs> beautiful Florida. So yes. <laughs> a lot of times it is a, it is a factor when people are making a decision, but also they look at what our program has to offer and we do offer a lot. Drivers training, 
We have swimming pools, so we will bring someone into the pool. We have locomotor, which is a machine that walks your legs along with the therapist. So we have a lot of things that may, maybe other facilities may not offer. So for that reason, a lot of people are pulled to us. But we service active duty and military veterans. Okay. So that is our population that we serve. That makes sense. And so as far as um, just a little bit more in detail about the, po- the patient population, um, are you seeing all age groups of people? You know, what are the, the injury levels that you see the most? So we do see all ages. It's funny because it feels like certain spurts, we have a lot of older gentlemen, then there's some spurts, we have a lot of young gentlemen. And with the injuries and the levels, they kind of go like in the summertime, it seems weird to say, but in the summertime, you can almost say, okay, like when people are going out in their yards and getting on a ladder or pulling out their boats or starting to do water sports, that's when we will start seeing a lot of injuries coming up because people are getting out there and doing outdoor sports and getting hurt doing them. You have your motor, your motorcycle accidents or your car accidents, but I guess you see like, oh, I got my boat out, someone slipped on a boat. Um, cleaning the leaves out my gutter, I fell off a ladder. So that can vary from age to age. You do get a lot of older gentlemen. They usually falling off the ladder, really shouldn't be up there and still want to clean their gutters. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you have the young guys doing water sports, diving in the water, not realizing how deep it is. So you usually have your younger guys that when it's tied to water and if it's tied to accidents, it's usually more your younger guys, but we service anywhere from 20 to 60 to 70. So we pretty much cover every age. Do you see um, many female patients being that, I I mean, clearly we have females in the military. So do you see many females? Yeah, very few. Um, They're sprinkled here and there, but it's really not a large population. Luckily now we are seeing, because we are getting more women to get their services, Mm -hmm. Now we do offer more services to women that we really didn't offer before. So, which is a pull for you to come there now because, you know, it's, you can get full service and you can be seen in every area where it may not have been that way before, but yeah, we're doing pretty good, but you just don't generally see women, not usually with, with injuries tied to accidents and like you see men, their injuries are very different. What are the most common challenges that you see in that SCI uh, population? I think for probably any SCI population and maybe not, I think bowel and bladder are always two big issues. Whether it's bowel or bladder, nobody wants to be incontinent. It's the one thing that is uncomfortable for people when they're going through the rehab process. So for us, finding a really good way to manage both of them as early as we can, usually helpful. It is a lot of trial and error because mm-hmm. everybody's different. You know, you kind of have to look at what they did before their injury. Now that they have an injury, how's that going to look now? But bowel and bladder are the two issues that are going to make people uncomfortable and they're really resistant to because, like I said, nobody wants to be in the chair have an accident. No one wants to be in the community or in the gym and have an accident. So it is the one thing that's pretty frustrating, I feel. And it's a challenge no matter what rehab facility you probably would be in. 
I agree with you 100%. And, you know, thankfully, that's uh, something that we're trying to do at Coloplast is to really hone in on those intimate healthcare needs and help, you know, patients over overcome uh, those challenges. And, you know, just with a different way to use the bathroom is the way I like to say it. But right. Um, so who uh, on your unit is responsible for teaching patients uh, clean intermittent catheterization uh, prior to, to their discharge? And how do you go about selecting products uh, for patients to use? I usually select, and I won't say I select, I usually get several <laughs> catheters. Luckily, I work with several vendors and I don't, I feel like every product out there will work for one patient, may, what may not work for another. So when I'm selecting a product for someone, what I generally do is I give them lots of options. If I have six, I give them three of each of each of the ones I have. And then what I'll tell them is like, hey, for the next couple of days, try these all out and then come back to me and tell me which one you like. And then I will go back and revisit what did you like about it? What worked? What didn't work? That kind of thing. And really, I let them gear what products that they use and what products they choose. Because ultimately, they have to use that product long term. It has to fit into their life and their world. I do consider hand dexterity when I'm looking at a product. I consider what they're going to be doing after they leave my facility. Are they going to school? Are they going to work? How will they be able to manage with this catheter, taking care of their bladder, and still go about their day, whether it's school, whether it's work, whatever the case may be. So I take those things into consideration. And if I do have an issue with getting them to use a specific product that they use, I can work with the occupational therapist. We'll tag team together and we'll look at products and work with products. But usually I give them all the options and I kind of let them decide. So they actually choose their own products, if that yeah, makes we, sense. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely has to be something that works for, the, for that person. And we know that everybody's unique. So that's definitely a, a good approach to take. Um, and then, you know, as far as bowel health, we all know that uh, it's it can be really embarrassing for somebody not to have uh, bowel control, especially they're, you know, getting out and about in the community once they're discharged. But um, so what, as far as the bowel care goes, what, you know, are there any other challenges that you find besides just embarrassment with these patients? I mean, ideally, when we're looking at bowel care, we like to get people to Monday, Wednesday, Friday for two reasons. Agencies can go out on Monday, Wednesday, Friday and help manage a bowels. And if you want to have a life with your family, it's a whole lot easier to do bowel care Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can go away with your family on the weekend. You don't, you can go do activities on the weekend where you don't have to worry about managing your bowels at that point. Oftentimes you'll find not everybody can go to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Some people have to go every day. Then you have to work with them through how do they do their bowel care every day? Can they do their bowel care every day? Or are they having an agency? Are we training a family member? The schedule of bowel care can be an issue. Some people, you can only get them every other day. So you know there's going to be every other weekend, they're going to still need bowel care. Can we get agency out in those times, you know, to manage bowels for that family? Are we going to train a wife? I mean, ideally, for me, Training a family member is really my last option. 
Mm-hmm. I try to, if you have a wife, I want your wife to be a wife. I want her to enjoy the quality time you have together. That doesn't involve doing your bio care Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or every other day or every day. <laughs> so whatever options, I mean, we teach the wife. That's just our general rule. We teach the wife or whoever is going to be the caregiver, not necessarily so they're doing it, but so they know what to expect. They can identify when someone's not doing it right. So they need to know how to do it, but just they don't always necessarily have to be the person. If they are, they are. And then we train them accordingly for it. But yeah, with bowels, you want to make sure they manage manage appropriately so that when people, sometimes you'll have an accident, but if you can eliminate that to very seldom, then that's what you really want for people to help them have good quality of life. Absolutely. Yeah. So compliance is, is really, really important. And especially in this patient population with all the things that they have uh, going on and bowel and bladder just being two of the many things that they're uh, you know right. facing, I sh- should say issues with bowel and bladder health are two of the issues that they face. What are some of the other clinical resources um, that you can offer on your unit besides really important nursing care, you know, some other clinical resources that uh, would be important as an inpatient stay or to that patient as they're in the hospital and the people that you collaborate with the most? I mean, I work with my team as an interdisciplinary team. We're very close. We lean on each other. We respect each other's disciplines. I know if I have an issue with, I mean, I have a person on my team. She's amazing. She will make me a device <laughs> if I nice. need so her OT? to. Yeah, she's OT. An OT. Okay. She's an OT. And I say, hey, I need a device that looks like this, this, this. And she will make <laughs> it. And she say, okay, try this. And if it doesn't work, I say, okay, I need you to change this and this on it. It's what makes it work if it makes it work for the patient. OTs are real important. We work with, I work with a lot of vendors and cause that's how I get to know the different products that are out there and the different products that I have to offer patients. So I do work with a lot of vendors, which helps because if I have an issue with, Hey, I have a patient that's dealing with this. What would you recommend? There are extra resources that can help me. Oh, maybe this project work. There may be a product product out there that I don't know about and they will help me sort through those things. So they're actually really good. The vendors that I work with, they are a really good resource that I can go to and say, okay, hey, help me out. And when I go to different like PVA and different conventions and stuff, and they have the expos, I really do make a point of going around, looking what people have, getting people's business cards, because there's no way we can do this alone. So if I bump into a wall, I don't definitely never know all the answers, but if I bump into a wall, I need to just know who to call. And so whether it's a bowel care chair, whether it's a bowel care product, whether it's a bladder management product, I do have resources around me that help me with those things outside of the team that I work with. So it all really does help to have a whole, you know, community doing what we do. I feel like it takes a village. Yes. (laughs) You took the (laughs) words out of my mouth. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, clearly you have the nurses, the OTs, I'm sure, you know, PTs, you have the physicians. There's a whole, that's kind of the, um, one of the glorious things I think about uh, rehab and being on the inpatient unit is you have so many resources and it's it's awesome that you're also including 
um, you know, your, your outside vendors too, because they can definitely be a huge um, asset when it comes to, you know, product selection and uh, helping out with different equipment that the patient might need when they get home and things like that. Absolutely. So that's, that's great. In closing, what are some of the key takeaways that you would like for our listeners to know about a patient's journey while they're inpatient? You know, that's just one phase of care after spinal cord injury. So what, what would you think would be just a couple of the most important things? When a patient's inpatient, they need the support of the team. As an interdisciplinary team, we have a dietitian on our team. She helps us with food planning and losing weight and managing weight. We have a driver's rehab trainer on our team. We have, of course, OTs and PTs. We have a recreational therapist. She's responsible for like doing activities and integrating people into different activities. We are not able to do what we do alone. We work and we lean on each other. And that's what gives us the best support for the patient. Uh, and that's what it takes. We as a team need to be able to go to each other and ask for help. And I encourage when patients are in a rehab facility that they ask for help. They ask for resources. Like I said, I don't always know the answers, but I try to go out there and find the answers. I know it's a scary place to be when you're going through that journey. It really is. But having a supportive team that looks out and looks for resources, that's what you need in the inpatient setting. It's what makes it all really work. Absolutely. Well, I would have to say that I feel that your patients are very lucky to have you um, advocating for them. I really, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your experience with us today uh, as far as it goes with the inpatient rehab journey. And I really look forward to our next session. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional.